0: Okay, this morning's sermon, we need to contemplate, we need to step back and muse, turn it over more in our heads uh, um, and hearts and minds. Um, at least that's what I was going to do for our meditation before the supper. So this is actually Adam and Eve before the, their fall into sin, Genesis two eighteen to 25, part 2, colon, space, contemplation. I used Ephesians 5 and other texts of Scripture this morning to help us understand Adam and Eve prior to their their fall into sin. I made several observations upon the Genesis 2 passage utilizing the lens of other texts to help us because of two texts in Paul, one with reference to Adam Romans 5.14, Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. And then the other text by Paul, Ephesians 5, this mystery is great, but I am speaking about Christ and the church right after quoting Genesis 2.24, God's pronouncement of the good thing that Adam recognized. God had made a wife out of Adam and brought her to him. And Adam says, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Then there's the divine benediction upon it. For this reason, a man shall leave and and cleave. Paul, in both those passages, indicates to us that there's typology going on, that there's persons and and an institution that was ordained by God, that was established by God, that actually points to a greater work of God in the future. And that terminates in our Lord and his bride, the church. And so I think I was right to use the rest of Scripture to help us understand what's going on back there. And I made some connections that maybe you hadn't heard of before, others you had heard of before because I've said them. And then you, some of you made connections that I didn't even say. And whether they're right or not wrong isn't the issue. I'm sure most of them are right uh, I didn't make all the connections I could have. There's a lot more connections to make between the two Adams, uh, the first and the last. Uh the Adam the last Adam sinned in a in a garden. The first Adam, excuse me, sinned in a garden. The last Adam prayed for divine help in a garden before the pinnacle of his sufferings, the cross. There were others we could I could have made as well, but I've chose the ones I did uh, because Jerome Zanki was very helpful yesterday uh, as my heart was beating really fast. I could better get the sermon done. It's getting late. So what I'd like to do now uh, is before next week, because next week, what we'll do is we're going to look at Genesis three then we've got to look at Genesis three and see what happens to our first parents, because when we understand who they were before sin, what's happened to them in light of sin, and then us. Then we understand a little more about what we need as far as the, re- the repair. So, here are some contemplations on what we've done so f- we did we've done so far. First of all, I have seven. First of all, our first parents had the law written on their hearts. Romans 2, 14, 15. What was it like to be in paradise without or with this gift we created, gift we call original righteousness, the ability to view creation and respond to it corresponding to that which was written on their heart, that work of the law written on their heart? What was it like? I don't know. I wouldn't back there. I don't have any personal experience. I know it's nothing like what we experience. Do we have this side of the fall of this in the sin, this work of the law written on our heart? Everyone does. Does it get through? Yes. Does it get through with absolute clarity? No. We mangle it, twist it, and distort it. We make it into something that's not... Do all cultures reflect the work of the law written on their hearts to the same degree? No, they don't. Some cultures do more than the other and respect it more, uh, others less. That doesn't mean it's not there. It means we got problems. Its presence isn't the problem. The absence of original righteousness is. So they had the law written on their heart. All, all ten. All ten of them. Uh, even the fourth, I'm going to argue. You'll see why. And I think you'll, you'll... Well, if you're not convinced, you will be convinced. Ah. Let's just put it that way. You read the old Pur- Puritans. What, hap- what did Adam violate when he sinned? The prohibition, the law that came to him after his creation, Genesis 2, is it 15... 16 and 17, you can eat from all of them, but you can't eat from that one. Okay, that wasn't written on his heart. That came later, came after he was created. So he at least violated that. But if you ask the old Puritans, what else did he violate? They'd say, well, when you break one of them, you break them all. All what? All 10 of them, they'll say. And then they'll show you why they think they... Uh, why that is the case. Our second observation or contemplation is this. Our first parents were created in the image of God. You get that from the Genesis text. You also get it from reading um, texts in Paul especially, uh, Ephesians 4, Colossians 3, where Paul uses, uh, he's talking about the renovation of Christians, the renewal that we experience, Uh, but he's using creation language in a new creation context, he's using Adam and Eve language before the fall into sin into, uh, in the context of bringing us out of our fallen state and renewing us. And he uses image of God language, knowledge, righteousness, holiness, those kind of things. Third, our first parents had original righteousness, the ability to act in accord with the law of God, either written on their hearts or specially delivered to them by God. We know at least this much. He had this prohibition revealed to him. God revealed it to Adam somehow, some way. Did God reveal more to Adam than Moses tells us? Could have, right? Right? A weird thing about Genesis four is um, Cain and Abel offering their sacrifices. Number one, they offered sacrifices. Number two, they did it, did it at the end of a period of days. So like, you'll see it in your margin if you have a New American Standard. We're going to get there in a while, by the way. Probably about six years. We'll we'll get to Genesis four. But they're doing these sacrifices on a cycle. At the end of a period of days. Where did they get the period of days from? So they had this ability, created ability, called original righteousness. The law written on their heart. The creation out there to interact with it righteously. They're not sin with the knowledge they might acquire after their creation. You know, they would acquire more knowledge as they looked at the created effects, which ultimately the cause of those effects would be God. So they could do natural theology. That's what men call natural theology. View the creation, draw right conclusions from it, and worship God. We can't do that now. We can do natural theology. Well, that's another subject. Um... So fourth contemplation Adam was not created to be alone to fulfill his task. Right? You remember the task was actually revealed to us as readers in Genesis 1 after we're told he's created a man in his own image in the image of God he created them male and female he created them then the commission to have dominion to multiply and have take dominion of the earth. But that was to start in a geographic place we call the Garden of Eden. Remember I said the Bible looks back on the Garden of Eden, uses temple language. Adam was the first prophet, priest, and king. He was to extend the garden. They weren't weren't just supposed to till the garden, stay there, and say, get out, you devil. Uh, We don't want you here. They were supposed to... The Lord created the earth to be inhabited. You ever heard those words? They're in Isaiah. He didn't create it simply you know to have a tomato garden in a certain place on a hill uh, I had a, some of you know this man many years ago pastor you know if adam was created to cultivate a garden shouldn't we get back to the earth and the most holy vocation is a gardener is that the kind of gardener we think the garden is a was the special dwelling place of god among men on the earth sinless sons of god were in safe in relationship with God. And their commission was to be fruitful and multiply and so extend the temple, God's people in God's place under God's rule, all throughout the earth. They didn't extend it at all. They, they didn't have any kids and they fell. It happened pretty fast. You ever notice that? The kids come later. How long were they in their sinless state? We, we don't know. But long enough to... to enjoy conjugal marriage stuff and not bear children because the bearing of the children occurs afterwards. So six hours? A day? A week? A month? I don't know, but it happened fast. But their task wasn't just... um, Inclusive of that little geographic place, it was to go out. So so like when, when when Jesus says, all authority has been given unto me, go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, and Lord, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's a, that's a huge statement. And that's, that's actually... That went off. Huh? That's actually that's actually connected to Genesis 1.28. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And then when Paul talks about the gospel going forth and bearing fruit and increasing Colossians chapter one. Do you hear it? So it goes all the way back to the 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 the, the Adam thing that he failed to do. That the la- this is world- why do we have world missions? Because Jesus wants a bunch of templeites, local churches all over the world um, to get the message of salvation because he 's uh, undoing what Adam did and he 's doing what Adam was supposed to do, but he 's doing it in a fallen world, and then he 'll consummate his work at the end so even our lord 's uh, great commission is is an anti-typical fulfillment of that which Adam was responsible to do but failed <clears throat> to do. Uh, fifth, Eve came from Adam to help him do what God tasked him to do, cultivate and keep the garden and be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with others like him. Sinless sons of God in the safe presence of God. God's people in God's place under God's rule. The closest we get to this God's people in God's place under God's rule. Before glory, you know what the closest experience of that is? We're here. God's people in, it's not the building, in, in a place based on the promises of the word of God that God promises when his people gather according to his word for public worship to manifest his already present presence in unique ways. So here we have God's people in God's place under God's rule. We have a foretaste of glory at public worship. And sometimes it's not very foretastish, huh? uh, but But there are other times when you go, I don't want this to end. Remember when Rick Anderson was preaching? He preached for like 70 minutes. Nobody realized it, though, right? It seemed like a half hour. When I preach for 50 minutes, people go, it seems like two and a half hours there, Pastor. The Food's getting cold. So Eve came from Adam to help him do what God tasked him to do. Eve gets life from Adam. Eve gets her generation from Adam. Adam... It's Christ, Eve is the church. We get our generation from the last Adam or our regeneration? We get our regeneration from him because we're already existing as creatures but fallen and in need of regeneration, re creation, renewal. Sixth, Adam was a type of Christ, and Eve was a type of the church. Just as Eve was generated from the first Adam, so believers are regenerated from the last Adam. I should just read them, huh? I just said that, sorry. And then seventh, the seventh consideration. Now, Adam obviously was not a good federal head. He wasn't a good husband. He didn't love and cherish his wife. He wasn't a good prophet. He wasn't a good priest. He wasn't a good king. He sinned his sin was the ruin of us all. And what we don't need is we don't need to be brought back to where Adam started. As if we're own. I need this. I need to be my own federal head. Because I can tell you one thing. Knowing what I know, if I was Adam, I would have never done that. Yeah, right. I... Put it on my back. I'll be my own covenant head. Make a covenant works with me. That's not what we need. Because even if we did do that, got put back to the garden uh, under a covenant of works, we still got guilt, the just liability to punishment, because of our sins that we got to somehow figure out a way to take care of. So we don't need to become our own federal heads. What does the gospel do? It puts you back at the starting line. See if you can do better than Adam. And then what is election? God seeing the race of the Christian life. And as soon as you cross the finish line, he goes, boom, you win, chosen. You ever heard that before? I heard it on the radio. Well, I didn't hear it on the radio. A friend of mine heard somebody, a radio preacher who's dead now. And I hope with the Lord, Um, he said that. What is election? Well, it's God looking down the quarter of time, looking at the the racetrack of the Christian life, and he's rooting you on, and he's giving you the Holy Spirit, he has the Bible, and he gives you the church to strengthen you, you come around the last bend, and as soon as you cross the finish line, he chooses you. It's like, that's not very encouraging. Do you know how many times I fell flat on my face on that... Track, I don't need a new covenant of works so I can be my individual federal head. I need a new Adam. That's exactly what God gives in seed form in these words, the seed of the woman, the one that comes from the woman. He will crush the serpent's head. It's a male, by the way, and... It's a male that's promised. It's a male seed. It's a male that comes from a female that's going to do something that ends up demolishing the devil. That's what we need. We need that one. And that's the one that's first promised. And then what the Old Testament does is it slowly but surely reveals more about the promise until the full blossom. Is presented on the earth and it's very interesting the full blossom is not the glory at least initially it's the it's the fetus it's that holy thing in her womb is that that little creature that the son of God assumes as his own this is the, the incarnation I said recently, uh, the doctrine of the Trinity is weird. But it doesn't mean it's not true. The doctrine of the incarnation of the Son of God, it's, it's weird. Not weird in a bad sense. It's exclusive. It's unique. There's nothing else like it. But because it's exclusive, unique, nothing else like it, it doesn't mean it's untrue. Uh, have you ever heard this? One of the patristics said this. That which is not assumed is not healed. Some of you have heard that before. The Son of God assumes human nature. He's very man in order to be the healing agent for the rest of us who need healing. You need healing. You can't provide it on your own. You don't need to be your own federal head. You need a new one. We've got, gotten one. That's our Lord Jesus Christ. And um, may we be thankful for, for him. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, for your word, for the time that we can have like this just to sit back together, contemplate the things that have already been said in various ways and various times. Um, we pray you'd burn those comments, those words that I have spoken that accurately reflect the divine intention of Holy Scripture, burn those in our heads and in our hearts so that we might take those truths with us and, and even have our, our just private Bible reading or our family worship enhanced because we're, we, we see more now because you've helped us. Help us and um, now help us to rejoice together to give thanks for Christ in his incarnation, in his suffering obedience, and in his death for us. Bless it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.